Welcome to the Do The Woo Podcast, where we talk all things WooCommerce and any e-commerce news that affects you as a Woo user. Hey, Bob WB here. Brad and myself will be joining our special guest in just a minute, but I'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Liquid Web. I know personally that Liquid Web has the best WooCommerce managed hosting that will fit your needs no matter what you're selling or the size of your online store. And for a limited time, use the code BOB-WP and you'll get 33% off your first six months of any of their WooCommerce hosting plans. So do yourself and your site a favor and head on over to liquidweb.com. Now for the show. Hey everyone, welcome back to Do The Woo, show number 27. I'm Bob WP and I'm joined by my partner in crime, Brad Williams. Hey Brad, how you doing? Hey, hey Bob, welcome back. Yeah, I, I did miss last week and I noticed somebody actually shared it or something and said, oh, you got to go listen to Bob talk to Topher. And I'm thinking, <laughs> wait a minute. Okay. Anyway. You did a great job with Topher, Bob. <laughs> yeah, I did. I did from a, you know, from afar. So, well, uh, cool having our guest, which a few people know, you know, we like to bring on unknowns in the WordPress space occasionally. <laughs> so I thought we would um, invite Brian Krogsgaard to join us. Hey, Brian, how are you doing? Hey, guys, I appreciate y'all having me. What is Brian doing these days? I mean, what, you know, first of all, tell people kind of what they do and, and let's just kind of go with it and, and talk a little bit of woo after you to tell us all your good background and what you're doing. Sure. Uh, well, if people don't know my history, I've been in WordPress for a long time. I've uh, been in doing WordPress e-commerce for a long time, since 2011. Uh, my first WooCommerce site was actually being built as a Jigashop site, and I transitioned it to WooCommerce uh, as soon as it forked. I decided to go uh, with Mike and Jay was kind of my policy to say of going with the guys that developed this initially. So I was a very, very early user of WooCommerce, uh, did so with client work for several years. Uh, but I've been for, uh, four years or more now full-time on post status, which is, uh, a membership website that itself uses WooCommerce and also some extensions like subscriptions and memberships and whatnot, uh, in order to run a membership website. Um, but my day to day is not like in development anymore. Now it's like every couple of months I try to get all my stuff put together. So my workflow and local development environment, all that is straight. And I go dig into the code for a day or two at most. Uh, but for the most part, I'm these days from an e-commerce perspective, I'm using the software as a consumer running my website uh, and the website is geared towards WordPress news and all that kind of stuff. So I follow along with all the things that are happening in the land of e-commerce. Uh, and for most of 2019, I've also been doing a little bit of contract work with a company in the space. Uh, Skyverge makes WooCommerce memberships, but I've been mostly working on their Jilt side of the business, which is a software as a service uh, that manages email marketing for e-commerce stores. So all types of marketing emails that you may send, whether those are like automations based on segments you create or uh, things like abandoned cart emails, which was the original project purpose, but now it does a lot more than that. Uh, I use uh, 
the transactional email. So like customer seats for things that you send. Uh, and now we even do like your standard newsletter. So you could fully like dump MailChimp now. If your store is fully e-commerce, then we kind of handle all the functionality that traditional legacy email marketing would handle, plus all the like cool e-commerce stuff. So I'm kind of a blend between product and marketing on that side of things. So sometimes I use the product, figure out things that I feel like we could tweak and make tickets to, uh, you know, say, hey, we have a developer team. They can go build that. So I don't like develop. Uh, and then I'm also on the marketing side a little bit. So I'm contracting with them a little bit, but still mostly doing post status and running my own store. So getting a blend of using e-commerce on my own side and then digging into a SaaS focused around e-commerce as well has been a lot of fun. So it's uh, safe to say you like WordPress. I like WordPress. Always have, Brad, just like you. Not as long, not quite as long as you though. You were, you were at it a couple years before me. Yeah, maybe. I don't, I don't, maybe, I don't know. I got into it maybe around 2006 or seven um, when mm -hmm. I started using it and then digging into it. But um, so it's always fun talking to people that have a history, especially a history of WooCommerce going back to Jigo shop, because if those of you aren't familiar, uh, WooCommerce was a fork of Jigo shop, which is basically the open source way of just copying something and, and going a different direction <laughs> or going your own direction. Um, and it was, uh, it was kind of a big deal when that happened. Um, if I remember right, it was right around WordCamp San Francisco time, which was the precursor to WordCamp US. So it was kind of like the big big WordCamp in the United States at the time, the biggest, um, that all went down and there was a lot of buzz about it, about, you know, you know, at the time Woo themes forked it into WooCommerce. Um, there was kind of two sides, like you said, you kind of had to pick which side you wanted to be on. Uh, but by and large, it seems like WooCommerce came out on top, um, in terms of oh, yeah. adoption and, and usage. Um, so it looks like you made the right decision there. Uh, I think some of that was about that at the time. I'm curious, like um, knowing that the lead devs left and went over to Woo Themes and um, just the, you know, potential drama around that. Did that affect you? Did you not care? Did you give it some deep thought? Um, I'm curious. I knew the team at Woo Themes pretty well at the time. And I felt like whatever e-commerce play they were going to make would probably be pretty good. Um, so it's interesting at the time, what I really wanted from e-commerce with WordPress was something that was simpler than the options that existed. Funny enough, the difference between developer experience and e-commerce scalability where there was a divergence there. So the two plays that existed were WP e-commerce and shop with two P's and an E, I think is, I think it had an E on it, but it was called shop. Those were pretty scalable e-commerce systems. They actually had already decided to do things that were unpopular at the time. And now WooCommerce is backtracking into like, you know, putting all that order data in their own custom tables and stuff. Right. The problem is the developer experience wasn't as good because you had to do like raw MySQL, you know, SQL queries and things that weren't as friendly to us, you know, uh, I don't know what you would call us WordPress developers that just wanted to like query posts, you know, WP query and snag a bunch of products or orders or whatever that experience for theming it for developing with it was harder with shop and WP e-commerce. And when WooCommerce forked Jigashop, uh, that was already structured in a way that WordPress developers would be comfortable templating it, theming it, and all that stuff. And then it kind of grew popular enough and got sites that were big enough over time to where it was like, oh, crap, this isn't very scalable. And they've been solving those problems for several years now and getting better at it, but kind of running backwards into the scalability side, starting with the developer experience side being the positive thing. Um, 
And at the time I loved that because I was like, man, this ease of use for being able to develop e-commerce stuff the same way that I know how to develop WordPress websites with all their custom post types and normal, you know, simple WordPress APIs that we all utilize. That was great. I loved it. And mm-hmm. I didn't worry about all the scalability stuff because I was building small websites and the agency that I was working for had a proprietary CMS where they've been doing e-commerce for like almost 15 years, had a bunch of functionality built into this ASP uh, e-commerce platform that they had. And my job was to say like, how can we do this in WordPress? And I was like, this is the best way for us to do this in a way that is, uh, is possible for our team to actually accomplish it because it was that better developer experience. And because I had confidence immediately, I had confidence that, uh, woo themes was going to be better able to support and manage WooCommerce than Jigawatt, which was an agency was going to be managing Jigga shop. So I followed the developers and I went with the team and that was how we yeah. made that choice. And we put a whole bunch of sites on WooCommerce in those early days. That's interesting because that kind of was my story too. I, I think I bought my first Woo themes in 2009. So mm-hmm. I was using a lot of Woo themes with clients for mm-hmm. a few years and got to know the people there. And when WooCommerce came out, it was like, Hey, you know, I'm not into e-commerce, but maybe it's time to get into it because I've always liked the product on the theme side and it intrigued me. So I I dove into it right around the time they released it. And yeah, it's interesting because I I did a, I actually did an e-commerce site before my WordPress life. I did a stock photo site with, I think it was a service called um, Shopping Cart or something like Mm -hmm. that. And that was that was another thing. So that typically took me away from e-commerce because that experience was very interesting in so many different ways. And yeah, brought brought, brought it right back around when uh, WooThemes brought that out. And uh, yeah, interesting because I think... I mean, like hearing WP e-commerce and shop, like those are... It's fun to hear that because I haven't even heard those plugins mentioned in probably years, to A be honest. Um, and it's it's... Maybe it's it's hard to remember back then, but if you think about it, like you said, two thousand was it twenty twelve or something, twenty eleven, sometime when it I came think it out. Twenty eleven, yeah, twenty eleven. Um, you know, cu- custom post types had only been on WordPress core, maybe a year, if that. Um, you know, WP Commerce Shop, I, WP Commerce specifically was you know out well well before things like custom post types and a lot of the things that developers and users are just accustomed to now didn't exist. So they were literally building a e-commerce platform um, or plugin that would sit on top of a blogging platform, you know? Um, so, and I think the, um, the kind of having that legacy code um, and legacy, it was just messy, I guess is my point, you know, WP e-commerce oh, yeah. and even shop to an extent never felt, I never felt truly confident that they were a, a platform that I would want to put like a client on um, to do any kind of real volume. You know, um, and I always told people back then that that's, you know, WordPress isn't really built well for e-commerce. Now, it certainly has come a long way. And today it certainly is with WooCommerce. And there's other there's other options, too. But you got to remember back then the landscape was much different. And I think WooCommerce was kind of the game changer where um, with that fork and WooThemes behind it and the size that WooThemes was and the amount of resources and time and money they put behind it um, made it very clear that they were taking it very seriously. It wasn't a one or two person shop or, or a couple of devs just hacking away at it. It was like a full-blown team behind it, and they were pushing and iterating extremely fast. Um, yeah. 
building it out quickly. And I think that was a real game changer in the, in the terms of commerce, e-commerce with WordPress was, was and it's funny to think back at the time, like people that were smarter developers than myself, like they were realistic and they were like, guys, this is not, this is not a very productive platform for building scalable e-commerce stores. <laughs> like, <laughs> and they were right, but it didn't matter because it's the same way as WordPress in the early days. Like, Sure, WordPress was built for blogs, but it was the easiest way to get yourself a proper CMS and make it workable and hackable and the barrier to entry was low. And this did that for the same thing for e-commerce. And um, But that said, like WooThemes was constantly being demanded by their customers. Themes were so popular at the time. Y'all remember how, how big of a deal it was mm-hmm. and every type of theme. Their customers wanted an e-commerce theme at the time. So when they initially talked about this, they were like, yeah, we're going to release an e-commerce theme. And by the way, it's going to handle all the e-commerce stuff. <laughs> you know, It's not just going <laughs> to present products. Like It's actually got all these features that we got to build. And they were way in over their head. So forking this and hiring these two guys was their way of saying, hey, we're going to attack this. And it was... Uh, obviously a fantastic decision. But at the time, people were like, you know, people that knew the new development, new e-commerce, they were like, you don't know what you're getting into. And I think that's true. And it's been amazing, though, the work that, the, the fact that they did what they did, they brought good branding, they bought good, brought good marketing, they brought good community right out of the gate. All of the other stuff that was out there uh, just could not hang on. I was just researching some of the articles from back in the day there were things like it was called cart 66 or like php commerce you know some of these things that existed people were trying to do this but they weren't quite there and e-commerce at the time people knew there were pain points because stuff like uh, magento was dominant magento was impossible so people were like wordpress is great we need e-commerce on this platform so that we can make it as easy as wordpress Mm -hmm. and that's the that's the hole that they filled and you know everything else didn't matter they just blew up just totally blew up and i don't think any of us necessarily would have predicted where it's come but to to see what it's done has been amazing yeah yeah it really has and um you know kind of circling back to post status and the fact that you are you know a a big voice in the the wordpress world um in terms of journalism and um just you know your articles your podcasts and just talking and writing about wordpress um i'm curious how you've seen uh, the maturity and uh, adoption of WooCommerce grow um, over the years, I guess, specifically in the last four or five years as you've been really doing it more full time, um, you know, and, and not just within the WordPress world, but maybe outside the WordPress world, like how, what is the perception of WooCommerce? Um, what is the perception of e-commerce within WordPress in general? And have you seen that growth positive or negative? Yeah. So I think there's a couple of uh, common, um, untruths, misconceptions, where the WordPress community doesn't fully understand the e-commerce world. And the e-commerce world doesn't really understand uh, how popular and, and in some ways dominant WooCommerce has been with a certain part of this population. Now, I will say outright, the most important e-commerce platform in the world is Shopify, and it's not even close. Uh, Shopify has a dominant marketplace uh, place in the ecosystem. Um, Etc. But they are really popular with a brand new store, with an e-commerce only store, and with what I would say is like the WordPress.com VIP or like big scaled websites in the e-commerce landscape. They go Shopify Plus. Uh, WooCommerce is like the no-brainer for what I would call like a bolt-on store, where you want to add e-commerce, but you have your whole CMS that you're doing other stuff. So your store might be secondary or you know 
not the only thing that you do with this website. You have all this other stuff that WordPress really makes sense for. Uh, and I think the Shopify world underestimates the power of that because there's a lot more websites than e-commerce stores. So that kind of middle, middle of the curve site uh, and also people that really want to tinker and do a whole lot, like they really want maximum control. That's where WooCommerce has really dominated and grown enormously. But if you think of like the way we think of WordPress, WordPress in the top 10,000 sites, top million sites, whatever, uh, WordPress kind of dominates more and more the further you go down the long tail versus if you say like the top 100 sites, maybe WordPress's market share is maybe 10 or 15%. But of course, we're 33% or whatever of the top 10 million. Uh, I think the Shopify versus um, WooCommerce versus like people still on Magento and stuff like that is similar where Magento is pretty big in say the top 100 e-commerce sites in the world, but you say top million and now you're talking WooCommerce getting most of those, but WooCommerce is getting the ones that are lower revenue probably than say what Shopify has. And Shopify is really the standard bearer for how the conversation goes in e-commerce. And they're thinking of things that the WooCommerce world is not thinking about. Like they just introduced, you know, warehouse fulfillment. So you can have something like fulfilled by Amazon, the way they have two day free shipping managed by Amazon. You just send your inventory. Well, Shopify has that now. Can you, I mean, nobody had like, can you imagine automatic running warehouses for <laughs> WooCommerce? Like we don't have those solutions. So you have to plug those solutions into your store. So it's a different conversation. Um, but that said, I think both are underestimated within the respective spaces. I think mm-hmm. Shopify is underestimated in the WordPress space. Everybody's just like, oh yeah, you just use WooCommerce. And sometimes Shopify is just doing things better. Um, WooCommerce has a long way to go on certain stuff. Their marketplace is not as mature either. Uh, the app store and Shopify is fantastic. And WooCommerce really tried to kind of put up the brakes on that when they should have been hitting the gas. Uh, on the Shopify side, I think they're underestimating the benefits of the control that you get with WooCommerce, the self-hosted nature um, and the tinkerability uh, and just the number of websites that are using WooCommerce. And, and Shopify would love to capture that. Shopify would love to have whatever, 50% uh, share of the e-commerce ecosystem. Mm-hmm. They're growing hand over fist, but they're still number of sites wise, relatively small and they would love to be much, mm-hmm. much bigger. And they're, they're growing. I mean, they have hockey stick growth, so they have that potential still. And it's uh it's an open game still in terms of dominance or what role they carve out for each other. And I think in terms of how this goes forward, I think it could easily be to where WooCommerce is by far the biggest product uh, and revenue generator for automatic. Because if you think of what's the potential to make money on an e-commerce platform, well, people are sp- spending money on e-commerce because they're making money versus are they spending money on wordpress.com, like, which is usually not as important of a website uh, as something that's more like business centric or whatever. So their revenue per customer is way lower on that side. They need 10 times the customer on wordpress.com that they need running WooCommerce because their average revenue per customer could be hundreds of dollars per year on the WooCommerce side. And I think what one of the trends we'll see is WooCommerce being an ev- much more important part of their overall business uh, at, for automatic versus uh, WordPress.com and some of that type of stuff. And I think we'll especially see that if they ever go public, the way that it's perceived in the market, people will be looking at WooCommerce, discovering WooCommerce for the first time, and be like, holy cow, this thing's used all over the place. Mm-hmm. And that'll play into the way their valuation and growth outlook is perceived in the public markets. 
because it's a whole different world when you're a public company. Right now, everything's kind of a black box, you know? On that growth thing, but what I was going to ask you, and I think you, correct me if I'm wrong, but you were talking about one of the podcasts uh, on post status, turning the marketplace more into a subscription base versus, Mm -hmm. you know, being all these. And I know this has been talked about a lot off and on. Do you want to touch on that a little bit or your thoughts on that? Because I I think there is, you know, and I, I wonder if that might be, maybe what you hope or what you even see as that profitability, uh, it becoming a bigger piece for automatic and also, you know, probably help the store owners quite a bit. Oh yeah. So there's several things. I talked to Matt about this to see if he was open to it. Uh, because I was like, Matt, uh, so basically here's the, here's the (laughs) deal. I run a store. I don't even know how much I pay per year for the various things I use on post status because they come up in onesies and twosies based on when I bought the extensions and it's a Mm -hmm. yearly license fee. So right now I have uh, box office tickets or whatever. I don't use it anymore, but it's been pinging me saying, Hey, do you want to renew this? I'm like, no, I don't use this anywhere, but that's a hundred dollars. And then it's good for the rest of the year on a monthly basis. I don't have anything that's just coming out of my account saying, Hey, I spend 50 bucks a month on WooCommerce. There's no pricing page on WooCommerce.com. There's, you can't just go to a pricing page. So when people are like, hey, I want to get started. How much does this cost? It's like, I have no idea. Just start putting your site information in. Look for extensions. So I think you really help clarify where you fit in an ecosystem if you say, hey, get started for as little as $19 a month. And that includes a bundle of functionality. And as you grow, you spend a little more. Uh, Chris Lima said this to me also at Publish. The average Shopify customer spend something like $89 a month, even though that introductory plan is $29 a month. All that other stuff is through upsells. But you have to change the way you do everything because now you're charging on a monthly basis for access to the support and whatever for these extensions that you're using. And that adjusts your extension model for people like Skyverge, where I contract, where maybe you're paying for memberships month to month, not year in, year out. And it, it just changes a whole lot of stuff. But there's some benefits, in my opinion, for making it a more clear picture of how much does this cost uh, and, and just kind of structuring it more like a subscription service on a monthly basis because it, it takes out some of that uncertainty versus saying, having these yearly costs that are in some ways they can hit you harder. Like you say, okay, get my package of extensions that I think I need. And now I'm paying $800 before I ever have a store up to get Mm -hmm. my functionality rather than what Shopify does. Hey, pay 29 bucks. And if you start selling, you are paying for the 29 bucks. And if you don't, then you go away. The Do The Woo podcast is brought to you by Liquid Web. Looking for a top-notch hosting for your WooCommerce site? They have a ton to offer you, plus you'll get 33% off your first six months of any popular WooCommerce plan using the code BOB-WP. This is a limited-time offer, so head on over to liquidweb.com. And a special thanks for Liquid Web for helping us do the woo. Now back to the show. Yeah, I was going to mention how um, easy Shopify is, I think, in comparison. And that's, you know, a lot of people come to me, I'm sure, just as both of you and, you know, friends, family, like, hey, I want to set up a website or I want to set up a store. You know, should I use WordPress? Because, you know, our friends, our family, they all know. They may not know what WordPress is, but they know we do it, right? So they always come to us. (laughs) It's like if you work on computers, you you can fix everything, like technical, (laughs) I guess people think. But Mm -hmm. anyway, so they come to, and I usually just say, go to Shopify. You want to start a store? Go to Shopify. Like it's. That's a real bummer, isn't it? 
Yeah. It is. And it, it's like in the back of my mind, I'm like, why am I saying that? But I also have gone the other route where I'm like, oh yeah, WooCommerce all the way. And then I'm getting peppered with 50 more questions as they're going through that process because exactly what you just said, like what, what extensions do I need? Like I actually literally just, I think last two weeks ago, I went and I needed to get a, uh, the PayPal extension. Um, and I searched PayPal. There's like 10 of them. I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. What. Well, <laughs> and like, all right, so I got to figure out the difference between standard and pro and pro plus. And it, it's like, I'm like, I don't like, I'm pretty technical. I know what I'm doing. And now I just spend extra time to figure out to even understand which PayPal extension I actually need just to accept a payment. You know what I mean? So, and imagine some of this not technical doing that. So I think that point you make is spot on that. Um, it's a big challenge that I think WooCommerce automatic need to solve is that, that ease of the, the easiness factor, the easy factor for the small shops, the bigger stuff, the more technical ones, you're going to have a team behind it. They'll figure it out. But for the small shops, people just kind of dip in their toe in maybe a proof of concept, maybe to see if their idea will work. Um, I just send them to Shopify. And then if things start to take off, then we can talk about, okay, maybe we do need to move to a platform where you kind of own your data, you own everything. Um, but it's the easiest, you know, easiest way to ship in my opinion right now for e-commerce. And I think some of this gets confusing when, because you get into the conversation about hosting and where does this website live pretty quickly? Um, and who's making that first pitch? Like is someone going on to GoDaddy and saying, Hey, I need a store. And GoDaddy says, we'll host it. Here's WooCommerce. Here's this onboarding workflow to make this really easy for you to get set up. Or do they go to WooCommerce.com? And if they go to WooCommerce.com and they say, get started, well, where do they send them? Uh, WooCommerce is not the same as WordPress. Like the automatic WooCommerce relationship, they are, there's not, this isn't like a back and forth. Like it's open source, but it is owned by automatic. WordPress is not owned by anyone. So it's a little clearer. Uh, WooCommerce.com is, is theirs. So it's like, do they just plop you onto some infrastructure that they own? Like, is it going on Pressable, which is one of their brands? And, and they don't send you out to anywhere else or they don't manage partnerships or relationships with all these hosting companies. Kind of like that directional flow of where is this website going to live? I think that's a delicate political balance for them to manage because they, they rely on these hosting companies to also want to put WooCommerce on websites. You know, they make money off that. So if they're the only, like if those businesses say, well, forget this, we're not going to recommend this anymore, then it introduces some complications. So there's a lot of delicate balance to do there. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. There certainly is. And I mean, I think um, on the flip side with, you know, we, that example, I think was a little bit on the smaller business side of the house, but on the flip side, the enterprise side, like you mentioned, like warehouse fulfillments and things like that. It's, it's a question I get a lot. And I, and I think any, anybody that is building WordPress websites gets is what's a, you know, people want to know, like, what is a, uh, an application that WordPress is not good for? Um, and it's an interesting question, right? Because WordPress is very flexible. You could really build anything with it. It doesn't always mean you should, but you could, right? So it might usually my go-to answer is like extremely large scale e-commerce, um, you know, is I don't feel it's, I, I'm not comfortable with that yet. And what I mean by that is when I say large scale, I'm talking multi-warehouse, um, you know, setups, things like that. My background prior to WordPress was e-commerce. I was IT director at an e-commerce store. We had our own custom, which is crazy thinking about it, but a hundred percent custom built e-commerce. And a lot of my job, one was just making sure things work, but two was to make sure that the data from sales and the warehouse were all in sync, sending those mm -hmm. to the warehouse, getting the updates back, shipping information, all that 
extremely important. That type of stuff, I think, is not well suited for something like WooCommerce today, um, unless you have a very large team and an extremely large budget. Because um, again, you can do anything in WordPress, but it doesn't always mean you should. So another area I think, which we have seen improvements, you mentioned performance stuff, is um, we've seen some massive improvements over that over the last few years, which is a great step in the right direction. I mean, imagine running a WooCommerce store where you're getting transactions every second. You know, mm-hmm. that's scary to think of running something like that on WooCommerce. Is it doable? Yeah, sure. An uncached really environment. Got, you really got to know what you're doing, you know? So that's another area. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to see the growth, but I think there's still a, a long way to go. And honestly, I don't even know if that's their target market. It's probably not, but um, it's something I think of just because I was in that area, you know, uh, myself. So, yeah, I think one of the interesting statistics or like types of stories would be to learn who's switching and find out why. So if they're switching from Shopify to WooCommerce or if they're ship switching from WooCommerce to Shopify or something else, find out what was your limiting factor? What was your bottleneck? And I agree with you on the challenges and the situations where I would be like, eh, hope, hopefully you have another way to handle X. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like if you're getting tons and tons of orders, do you really want to manage those orders and, and processes and workflows in the WordPress admin? Because I don't. Uh, <laughs> so you have to have an external service, like yeah. something like Metric is an example of one where you can kind of do your management of those orders and processes, but mm-hmm. it's a third party, you know, whereas Shopify is kind of managing it in Shopify. It's got flows. It's got ways to do all that stuff. And some of that gets more complicated in WordPress. And that doesn't do, that's not to say anything about scaling the actual software, like to manage the, all of these low, you know, non-cached processes or where you're limited to a different type of caching than slapping a full page cache and calling it a day like you can do with a lot of static websites those checkout experiences that's their whole trouble and brad you know way more than i do in terms of like the challenges that you face there yeah i mean it's 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 an interesting environment especially the different approaches the last show we had topher um, who advocates for big commerce on and, you know, kind of comparing which big commerce is not at that level yet, but their platform's pretty cool. Um, and mm-hmm. I think what really fascinates me is the different approach between what big commerce is doing um, and what Shopify is doing in terms of, um, you know, working with other platforms like Shopify's, you know, kind of their stance is like, if you're, if you're, we want you to be on our platform, if you're going to use Shopify, you're going to be on our platform. You can embed some stuff in your WordPress site or other marketing sites or whatever, but ultimately we want to bring you back to Shopify to do the actual shopping and checkout and all that stuff where big commerce is kind of like, look, if you already have a very popular, you know, successful website, you can still do everything directly in your website, you know? So they're more of the API approach where it's like, here's a full blown API, use us however you want you know, pull everything into your site and do it all there if you want, or send them to us and we'll handle it or do some kind of a hybrid between the two. Um, and I'm curious to see, um, as, as big commerce continues to grow, um, with that different angle, if that is, uh, you know, if that helps them kind of catch up or not, I don't know, maybe, maybe Shopify is too far ahead, but, um, very different approaches there. And I think it's something to consider because just because, again, just because you can't doesn't mean you have to. Like we're, uh, WordPress is an amazing platform, but it doesn't always need to, you don't need to do everything in WordPress all the time. Sometimes it's a very awesome secondary platform too, right? So very different approaches with how they're kind of pushing their services. Um, so it'll be interesting to see kind of how that pans out over the next few years, specifically mm-hmm. in relation to like WordPress, you know? Yeah, I find it interesting. It seems like our conversations, a lot of it always goes back to 
where do you start with WooCommerce? I mean, a lot of the things were, and what I've experienced is with my site, since I talk basically one of my sites, I talk about WooCommerce all the time. It's just a rabbit hole. If I ever tried in the early days to write about starting up with WooCommerce, it's like, even writing about it, you have to get into specific situations and what people need. So I've always tended to go more towards how can you extend WooCommerce to do this specific thing or this specific thing. So there is, it's really, and you go to any site that has some kind of, even a course or something, get started on WooCommerce. Well, you set up all the basic stuff. You sit there and you go, okay, now what? Now, now I got to start adding this. I got to start doing this. So it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a challenge, but it's, it's at the same time, I just noticed that more people are interested in learning that part of it than how to get started up. Yeah. And I think you hit on something there where one of the ways WooCommerce shines, and I think they could do a better job of uh, expressing why they shine is when your store's not like the prototypical t-shirt sales or drop shipping physical goods, but, you know, maybe it's, maybe you have a course component, maybe you have a membership or subscription component. You know, I've experienced subscriptions on through Shopify, like where I was a subscriber to something and I knew it was a Shopify site and I was a subscriber to something and I knew it was a WooCommerce site and the WooCommerce one's better and it's more flexible for those people that are doing those types of businesses. Uh, and a lot of times you have to, if you're, if your alternative was Shopify, you want to stick with hosted solutions, you got to go off and you got to find some other hosted solution that's specifically for courses or specifically for whatever thing because Shopify knows their bread and butter and it is primarily physical delivery of products and that's what their experience is catered around and WooCommerce has flexibility to manage all sorts of other stuff and that flexibility is the big draw for a lot of people. Now this is this is kind of cool because I the two things we were talking about I grabbed a couple articles we always, uh, I try to find a couple of posts to just share, chat about. And I, I just want to ask your first impressions on this because I saw a few people sharing this and it was like, well, they're just freaking out and saying, hey, did you see this? Especially some people in the WordPress space. And it was this article, Shopify will soon trail only Amazon for US e-commerce and their stock is soaring. And it was, you know, that they're compared in revenue and everything. And all I could think about when I saw that is, aren't we comparing apples and oranges here? I mean, it, it's, you know, Amazon, I mean, it's, to me, it kind of was, it made sense in one way, but it was kind of a nice PR spin at the same time to say, and this is not, you know, I'm not trying to talk Shopify down, but I'm also like, how do we really compare Shopify to Amazon? I, I just found it a little odd. Yeah, I think I think calling Shopify a centralized platform is accurate. For for a huge, you know, Amazon's done a lot right over the years. I think a huge missed opportunity was they could have bought Shopify when it was younger, um, and basically Shopify could have operated as uh, all the same e-commerce infrastructure as Amazon, but your own branding, your own store mm-hmm. presentation. Uh, and that's kind of like your premium outlay, like so that Amazon is where you buy your commodity stuff and Shopify, you have your, these really fancy, their own brand, their own site, their own design, et cetera, through Shopify, but it's part of the Amazon ecosystem. I don't think it's that unfair because, you know, every dollar that goes through Shopify, Shopify gets a piece of that in one way or the other, because they have their own payment processing. Uh, they have their own, you know, monthly subscription for every site. 
Now, one of the comparisons you could say, and this is a lot harder to track, certainly for any third party, would be, okay, well, what's the dollar flow going through websites that are using WooCommerce? I don't know. I don't know that uh, Automatic knows because that might be a little more like telemetry or you know data than they can get with 100% knowledge. They may have to do some forecasting on based on what they do know versus what they don't know. Like if they, someone's bringing those orders into their platforms in one way or the other, like they're using Jetpack or something, but they don't necessarily know every WooCommerce store because they people can use WooCommerce and disable or choose not to participate in some of that data tracking and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a little harder to track Shopify versus WooCommerce. But I do think Shopify as a platform, even though a shopper, a shopper doesn't go to Shopify and shop like they do mm-hmm. with Amazon and eBay. And I get where you're coming from in that regard. But as a business, if you're looking for uh, investments, I want to know what's the, what's the dollar flow, what's the order flow look like going through Amazon, Shopify, eBay. I don't care. It's all the same to me because I know that my, uh, my investment is capturing a percentage of that overall dollar flow. And I, I see the potential through that metric. And I think that from that perspective, it's fair. And it's a great headline for Shopify. To be yeah, right. yeah, it is. Exactly. It's a, good, it's a good headline. I mean, I think that to your point, Bob, I think the confusion, the confusion factor for me is when you think of buying something on Amazon, you're just buying something on Amazon, right? But there's really two sides to it. You're either buying something from Amazon, which is an Amazon product coming out of an Amazon warehouse or or a product they sell come out of their warehouse, or you're buying something from a third party through Amazon. And those um, those are the, the the stores, I guess, if you will, that I would consider competitors or how I would compare apples to apples with Shopify because it's like me as a store owner, I could load my products into Amazon and sell through Amazon through Dropship or whatever. Um, so it's a little bit murky because unless you pay close attention and sometimes it's not even super clear if you're getting it from Amazon or not, right? You just, if, as long as it says I'm getting it in two days, I don't care. And the price is right. Great. I don't care if it's coming from Brad's, you know, Brad's shop or, or directly from Amazon, right? It doesn't matter. But um, and I think they do that a little bit on purpose because it, it gives you that confidence that it shouldn't matter, you know? Mm-hmm. And this is a huge deal for sellers. So uh, let's say Brad, what are you selling, Brad? Uh, tackle. Fishing tackle. Tack, fishing tackle. So Brad's fishing tackle is a store. Well, Amazon gets a certain amount of uh, flow of people looking for fishing tackle. And Brad's going to have a slice of that pie. But it's a slice of uh, a, a big pie. Other people can also be trying to sell you know, fishing tackle. But his he stands out a little bit because of this or that. But he gets an automated you know, traffic surge, a guaranteed amount of business just because he's on Amazon. Brad's fishing tackle store has no guarantee like that. So a lot of times, this is very common, a Shopify store is going to sell on their own store because they want to maintain that uniqueness of their brand, what sets them apart. They establish that brand identity because they want people to come back for specifically Brad's fishing tackle. But the way that it's almost like advertising, people get to know them because they found them on Amazon in all those search results and it's important for them to be there. And maybe they get 50 or 60 or 70 or 80% of their orders from Amazon and their site and their own sales. They just get more because they give away less if it's on their own site, things like that. And that's a big, uh, that's a big thing that they're constantly battling. One of the greatest e-commerce communities out there is e-commerce fuel. Uh, Andrew Udarian runs that. 
he's got forums. Everybody in the forums uh, makes uh, seven figures a year. So uh, their million dollar in revenue stores are higher. Uh, he and I have known each other for a while. So I'm lucky enough to kind of scoop in on those conversations every now and now and then see what worries them. They're constantly battling like, hey, do I ditch Amazon, go all in on Shopify, purely use you know Facebook and Google ads to get that same type of extra traffic, but I own the order? Uh, or do I go all in on Amazon and I just totally just go with them and I don't deal with some of these issues you run with your own store? Or do I do a hybrid? That's the constant conversation. One of the things I think we're missing, say as a consulting base on the WordPress side is, we're struggling to know those conversations that we need to be having and the type of solutions that we can help them with to manage that relationship. Cause we treat it like their websites, its own little black box, but really it's just a cog and a big wheel of everything it has to do with selling Brad's fishing tackle. And it's all a tough conversation and it involves logistics and software and marketing and, and, and mm-hmm. uh, operations for fulfillment. It's tough. It's a, it's its own type of uh, it's its own type of, you know, consulting that's specific to e-commerce. And I don't know that we're really stepping in to help those people out as much as we could in the WordPress landscape. Right. Now on the flip side, or I shouldn't say on the flip side, on the WooCommerce side, the other um, article I came across, which was exactly what we were talking about again, it was ShipRocket WooCommerce announced partnership for India. Just read the subtitle here. Part of the partnership, WooCommerce and ShipRocket will enable Indian e-tailers to uh, avail cost-effective and automated logistics solutions. So, I mean, this seems huge for that country and for that population, but it kind of goes back around to that whole thing of us talking about, you know, this is what you need with WooCommerce. This is not part of WooCommerce. This is that third-party integration or partnership to make it more effective. Um, I, I just caught my eye. Any any thoughts on that one? So ShipRocket is essentially helping you coordinate the way you ship, but they're not yeah, their own like service. They're not FedEx. Yeah. They're helping yeah. you coordinate with FedEx yeah. and other and options. Like yeah. it's, uh, an extension that you will be available um, through the WooCommerce marketplace that you would install and configure. So do you think it's because of it's a bit more complicated or they just haven't had something in place that helps them? Uh, I'm, I'm just trying to understand a little bit more or at least your opinion on this is to say um, it, it seemed like it was a fairly decent sized partnership and, and, and very important to those retailers there. Yeah. I mean, I have thoughts on the idea of like selling internationally, you have your own challenges, but it's one of the big growth areas for e-commerce. So if you can have something like this that enables you to manage the, uh, all those hard tidbits of like how to ship something to this specific place, you know, if you're in the continental 48 of the U S like you basically know your options for shipping stuff and you can, you know, put it in a USBS box or FedEx or UPS. You may even have your own partnership with them you don't necessarily know that if you're shipping to rural India and you don't know the challenges that you have in fulfilling that and anything like this, this is the type of flexibility I think you get with WooCommerce is like people are wanting you to use their stuff and they're saying, well, I can integrate with this platform and have access to all of these uh, potential merchants with Shopify. You got to really get Shopify to agree like, Hey, we're going to use you for that. And it's a different story. You could have 10 of these different options in WooCommerce that offers a lot of flexibility, but there's a ton of international growth potential because of the pure population, the number of people that are entering the middle class and willing to buy online. 
uh, and it's much larger than us, but the e-commerce landscape right now uh, in a lot of these places is still smaller than say the United States, despite their population centers being so large. Cool. All right. Any, any thoughts there, Brad? Um, I like having podcasters on the show as guests. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> it you and I had to get a talk less, which is great. Yeah, I, I just know, like to blab. Yeah. I was going to say, I, I know I was already thinking, uh, when we, when we can have Brian on again here, you know, <laughs> I mean, great, great calendar. thoughts, great insight. Like these are all, you know, these are topics that maybe not everybody out there is thinking about. Um, shop owners thinking about specifically their store and the size and the, the uh, complexities that they're facing or, or could be facing. But um, these are things like us as kind of, um, you know, people talking about it and, and even people implementing it for clients need to be thinking about and talking about and considering and helping push the envelope to make sure that these platforms are doing what they, what we're looking for um, or, or addressing the challenges that a lot of people are seeing, you know, so it's cool to see them grow. It's cool to see them doing very successful and competition's good, you know, so it's good to have a lot of different options out there because it's not one size fits all. You got to find the yeah. best solution for you and your store. And it doesn't mean whatever you pick today is where you have to be 10 years from now. But, um, you know, like we discussed on last show, there's a lot of pros and cons and you got to sit down and really weigh them out and figure out what's going to work best for you on day one, and, you know, go from there. And that's really the best you can do. So it's fascinating. Yeah. Great, great conversation, Brian. Yeah. I mean, I think I agree with you at the end of the day, you want, if, if you're a merchant, you want your e-commerce platform to enable some features to make your life easier but a lot of times you just want it to be out of the way so that you can focus on your business and not your platform. Uh, you want to focus on your product development, your, your manufacturing, your inventory, your order fulfillment, you have all this stuff and you just need your software to be a piece of that system that works. And if it's not working, if it's creating bottlenecks or causing problems or downtime or any of that stuff, making your life more difficult, that's going to make people want to use something else. And WooCommerce and anybody else's challenge is to fit seamlessly into these business models so that people can have effective solutions with their software and not something that they're going to bemoan about and be angry about when they go to bed because, you know, they can't fulfill these 200 orders because the system screwed up in some way. That's the worst case scenario. So that's the challenge for WooCommerce and honestly for WordPress, but with e-commerce, it's such a, it's, it is the business, <laughs> you know, it's not like, you know, Brad, when you guys build a website and, uh, you know, the website's for a manufacturer and their website's important, but it's not, yeah, they don't run the their business through it. Right, but it's not the right. Point, so, yeah. Right. Those are very different things. And the website becomes a different, uh, a different level of important uh, when it, when it is the, the interface for generating revenue. Oh, cool. Great conversation. All right. Love all these insights. Like you said, Brad. Brian brings a lot to the show. We'll have him on. Yes, he does. We, we'll have to make him a regular. See, we we already got you tied in. Well, uh, a couple things before we, uh, let's see, close out here. Reminder, Woosesh, October 9th and 10th online, WooCommerce conference. Uh, a lot of good stuff there. You can check it out at woosesh.com. Brian, what's coming up for you? Anything exciting news, upcoming events, and also let people know where they can connect with you. I will be at WordCamp US. Uh, it's right after Halloween. I am leaving the morning after Halloween. I know Brad celebrates Halloween fiercely at his household, and we do too. We get like 100 people come by the house, and I just can't miss it. I've got a four-year-old, a two-year-old. They're going to love it. Uh, you got to be there for that. I know. Very early on November 1st, I will be in St. Louis for WordCamp US. 
uh, we've got a big post status community that's always there. So we're I'm, myself and Jilt are throwing a party for them. So if you're a post status member, uh, we got a party for you. Or if you're a Jilt customer, so both of you guys are invited. But if anybody else wants to be in St. Louis and uh, come chat with us and have a couple of drinks, we're throwing a party there. Uh, but yeah, for the most part, just uh, go to poststatus.com and get involved with the community in one way or the other. I'd love to have you. Or if you need a job, we have people posting about e-commerce jobs sometimes, which are really good. So poststatus.com slash jobs. I know WebDev has hired some folks off poststatus and that always makes We've me happy. We've had uh, very good success with our job ads on poststatus. So if you're looking to find somebody to hire, um, I highly recommend it. Was it $100? I mean, it's a good deal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's 100 bucks. Yeah, excellent, excellent resource. Yep. How about you, Brad? Uh, I will be at WordCamp US as well. It looks like, um, although I think I'm going to come in Saturday. We'll see. I'll be there. It may only be the last day, but we'll see. Um, okay, cool. So, but other than that, you can find me on Twitter, Williams B A. All right. Well, I'm going to be at WordCamp US too, so I'll see you both there. And anybody can find me. Just go ahead and Google Bob WP. You'll find me everywhere or you somewhere. You got that one on lock. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've got okay. Guard on lock, but it's a lot harder to spell. Yeah, it is. Yep. yep. When you Brad say Bob Williams. WP, you're practically spelling it. Yeah. I like that. You're practically spelling it. There's my new tagline. All right. Perfect. Uh, a shout out to our sponsor uh, before we close out, Liquid Web. If you want to get 33% off six months of Woo Manage Hosting, either their beginner or basic plan, just use a code BOB-WP. Well, thanks, Brian. Uh, again, excellent conversation. Always appreciate having you on one of my podcasts, and uh, I'm sure we'll have you back here. Appreciate y'all having me. Yeah, thanks, Brian. Take care, everyone. See you.